0: To say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Let's do it! Joining us all the way from Rooker, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Unity Church, Lee Younger.
2: We made it. We did it. It's 2021.
0: Uh huh. It is 2021. We survived. 2020. And I think it's something that's important to celebrate and acknowledge. And I can think of no better celebration than the 2020 Thatties. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Looking back on the year that was in a much more timely manner than we normally get the Thatties out the door. And either uh, you, Whether know, I think you this want year's... to or not. So we take the Price Waterhouse stack of envelopes. We look across. This gorgeously appointed, we have four separate gorgeously appointed auditoriums. We're each sitting in alone. Things sound a bit (laughs) echoey this week. That's what's happening there. And we look to our first category, which is best pandemic coping mechanism. Mm. I'll read out the the nominees. If you gentlemen have anything you want to throw in or make a a case for something, and then we'll we'll, uh, open the envelope and read the winner. Best pandemic coping mechanism. The nominees are. Screaming into a pillow. Yeah. Screaming at people who don't know how to work Zoom.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> screaming. Just screaming. And yeah. the final nominee, sitting at the bottom of the shower, crying, rocking back and forth, and hugging yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good
2: coping mechanism. There, there was no uh, screaming at Target employees.
0: No, uh, as people recall, sort of from me, there was almost screaming at people who did that, but we all made it. And we all bow in the presence of the winner for 2020 Best Pandemic coping Mechanism. The winner is shower crying. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like the shower hides your tears.
0: That's right. It, you, you wash <laughs> yourself both physically and more metaphorically, and that's important. We move on to our second 2020 That Is category. I'm gonna officially name this one as a uh, a Jed Brewer inspired category. I think I know what the judges yep. are thinking on this one. Best shelter in place binge food. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Nominee number one: Mountain Dew flavored Doritos. That's an actual yep. item that someone sent to Jed. Yep, yep. Was that an item sent out of love for Jed or malice toward Jed? <laughs> Hard to tell. <laughs> hey. Nominee number two: a whole freaking sleeve of Oreos. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: we've yeah, been that, there. We've all been there. That goes down smooth.
0: Just fire them up like a wood chipper and saw through them. <laughs> Nominee number three: straight cake frosting right out of the container.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. These these are really real awards this year.
0: Yeah, this this lacks some of the whimsy, but we're making up for, for it in realism. The final nominee for Best Shelter-in-Place Binge Food, Not Something, But All Things Dipped in Ranch Dressing.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's going yeah. to be, that's gonna be hard to beat. Or as it was be. known
0: pre-pandemic, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> the winner for 2020 Best Shelter-in-Place Binge Food, Mountain Dew Flavored Doritos.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow, that was a sort of a dark horse victory there.
0: I have a feeling one of us might be accused of trying to influence the judging, but will you have the sealed... <laughs> rice waterhouse envelopes. There's no way to do that.
2: I, I feel like that, that particular food stuff item is is the kind of genetic engineering that would bring us to say, that super baby. It's just like something yeah. that science technically can do but should never do. <laughs> the yeah. thing that should not be. <laughs> well, I think
0: item was important there because calling Mountain Dew Flavored Doritos food is stretching the term in a lot of ways, I think.
2: Well, it's like it's like the Kraft Singles that says, you know, uh, American cheese product. Yep. Yep. You right. know, it's not, we're not actually calling this cheese. We're going to throw another word on the end that's going to divert the, the lawyers off our scent here.
1: Yeah. It's a, it, it's a, yeah, Doritos chip substance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. For legal reasons, we've shortened it to KFC because we can't claim one of those words anymore. But Mountain Dew Dorito are all accurate. <laughs> we move to our next category. Best lie in response to, so how have you been? (laughs) 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 Our first nominee is a bit musical because it has an octave change in it. Fine. Just fine. Yeah. Yeah, It's the octave that really makes it. Second. (laughs) Fine. Great. Just great. Staring into the middle distance filled with ennui. Mm -hmm. Third nominee. You know, I've just been working on me not binge watching or eating thing, eating anything at all. (laughs) Yeah. That's the liest of lies. The final nominee for best line response to So How have Things Been? I'm learning Italian. And no, I don't want to say anything Italian. I totally could, but I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our winner for the Best Line Response of So How Things Been is I'm Learning Italian.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I say yeah. to
0: someone who knows, who loves people who, who love that land and has been once in my life very pleasurable. If you say that line with, I want to, I just, I could, but I don't want to, but you say it loudly and while moving your hands, you're like two thirds of the way to Italian.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Next nominee, best shelter in place fashion choice. Mm. Nominee number one, the exact thing you wore yesterday because who cares?
1: Right. Wow. Yeah.
0: Maybe a non-exclusive nominee. It could be the same as number one, all-day PJs. Yeah, which also, ironically, sounds like a store where you could buy your pandemic wear. Yeah, that's true. Third nominee for best shelter-in-place fashion choice. Out of underwear, go with a bathing suit because, again, <laughs> who cares?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, or you just get four turns out of each out of each pair of underwear. There, yeah, yeah inside <laughs> out, backwards, back to the inside out.
0: That's. Yeah. That's just efficiency is what that is. Our final nominee for best shelter-in-place fashion choice, the Zoom call fashion mullet. Business up top, cut off sweats down below. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's very, very strong. The winner is, of course, all-day PJs.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Also known as what my middle child
1: wears all the time in any situation.
0: Yeah, but when you're that cool, you can just pull it
1: off. Yeah, there's there's no judgments on the all day PJ on this podcast.
0: Absolutely true. We move to our next category. Best pandemic pylon of 2020. The definition of a pandemic pylon would be a thing that happened unrelated to the pandemic that somehow made things worse. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nominee number one. Both Jed and Glenn's houses flood moments before podcast taping. <laughs> yeah. That happened.
1: Yeah, that was, that was pretty radical. Next nominee,
0: Murder Hornets.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: Very strong. Our third nominee for Best Pandemic Pileup 2020, Super Gonorrhea. It's a real thing. Look it up. <laughs> <Yes>. More importantly, <laughs> don't. Super gonorrhea. <laughs> it's probably also important that we, this is one of the things that changes about this pandemic. I don't know that anyone in 2020 after living through 2020 heard super gonorrhea and thought that sounds a bit out there. Yeah. I don't think yeah. Just Yeah, sure. Yeah. That sounds about right. Our final nominee for best pandemic pile on of 2020 U S election madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not the good kind of madness like March madness, more the, uh, nope. the descent into kind of madness. Our winner for the best pandemic pylon of 2020 could be none other than super gonorrhea. Oh! Oh wow!
1: wow. Kinda, I think that impact of just coming right to, towards the end of the year there—it was just fresh in the judge's mind, you know. Yeah. It just it. it plus, it's just sort of action-packed. It's not just regular gonorrhea. It's not your grandma's gonorrhea. It's super gonorrhea. <laughs> Don't cut that out. Do not cut that out, Matt. That is gold. That is comedy gold. We need this in 2021, Matt. We need it.
0: We'll see. Our next nominee, (laughs) our next category for that is 2020. Best improvised mask constructed from things found in the car while in a grocery store parking lot. This one is quite specific. (laughs) Nominee for best improvised mask constructed from things found in a car while in a grocery store parking lot. Bungee cords and food takeout napkins. Oh, that's good. That's very, inventive. Yeah. very much yeah. meets the definition of face covering. <laughs> yeah. Number two, duct tape and wool
1: mittens. Oh, that's mm. pretty good. That's pretty good. good. Yeah. Little sweaty, yeah. little sweaty. Kind of itchy, but it'd work.
0: Our third nominee, broken CD case faceplate. <laughs>
1: mm. Wow. <laughs> that's nice.
0: Our final nominee for best improvised mask constructor for things found in a car while in a grocery store or parking lot. Full-faced hoodie pulled down with eye holes cut out. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. And the winner is the hoodie pulled down with eyes cut out.
2: (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Nice. I want to add, uh, uh, that a kid showed up to our high school Bible study tonight and couldn't find his mask in his car, so he used he pulled a McDonald's bag all the way down over his head and cut out eye holes and ear holes.
1: Wow, like an old school Saints fan. <laughs> hey, I think the fact that he cut the ear holes out says a lot about the quality of your Bible study.
2: <laughs> he didn't have fair. to do that. That's right. That's just, yeah, he could have just yeah, he gone with the not tripping over things, but he yeah, wanted yeah. to hear the good word.
1: That's right. That's right. That's good stuff. <laughs>
0: Unencumbered good word. Our next no- our next category for the 2020 Daddies, best rage text composed but not sent. Oh. Mm. Oh wow. We narrowed the field to only 5 nominees. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling there were many more contenders. First nominee. Yes, I got your email and know I'm not opening anything with the subject line Lizard people working in, coro- in cooperation with the ghost of Hugo Chavez. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Next that's nominee. Strong.
0: Listen, I know he's my father-in-law, but the more he talks politics, the more I think if brains were leather, he couldn't saddle a flea. Wow.
2: Mm, Wow. Some
0: strong regional specificity there.
1: There's sort of a poetry to that one. Yeah.
0: Certain amount of cowboy poetry. Our next nominee. Hey, genius, if I can agree to wear pants and underwear in public, you can agree to wear a mask in a pandemic. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I like the idea that someone is texting that that to the person they saw without the mask. Yeah. Just tapping them on the shoulders. Sure, your, your phone number, no reason, and then just texting them that. <laughs> our final nominee for best rage text: composed but not sent. Viruses are real, diseases are real, math is real. Election f- officials know how to count. Racism exists, and vaccines work. In related news, there are no lizard people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Again, given the year we've had, we can conclusively say that, but we can certainly say they haven't popped up yet. Yeah, our winner is. A winner is you, because you managed to delete all of the texts like that you wanted to send this year. Mm -hmm. We are proud
3: of you. That's that's nice. Yes.
0: Yes. Our next nominee, Curse Word of the Year. Mm, If I were a more dedicated audio producer, there would just be a series of beeps following this. But, you know. (laughs) So, Curse Word of the Year. Oh, the first nominees are tried and true classic, The F-Bomb.
1: Sure. Oh yeah! Very much the yeah. Meryl
0: Streep of this category.
1: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we, we all knew she'd be here. Yeah, that's 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 the Queen Mother right there.
0: Second nominee, son of a B word. Yeah, also very good for this year. <laughs> Third nominee, curse word of the year, BS, which of course stands for biblically specious.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Our, that's my understanding.
0: Our final nominee for curse word of the year, Glenn sang the word ass on the podcast, which is a shock because he never swears.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's that is yeah.
2: It was a real turn.
1: I, you know that that's. I agree with that.
2: He really crossed the Rubicon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the winner of the 2020 Daddy for curse word of the year is the f bomb. Mm-hmm. Oh wow!
1: Yeah. yeah, I I just I don't think anybody else who really had that much of a foothold on that.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. Speaking of uh, categories that have been. Uh, pretty well dominated for the history of the Addies. We come to an old classic, Best Beard.
1: Ooh. Oh, the big one.
0: This is a big one. The nominees are Jesus. Yeah. Strong beard game in almost every depiction. Uh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln.
1: Always. A yeah. year
0: where we all, well, we all yearned for good, solid bearded leadership, I think. Yeah. Third nominee? Oh well, Matt King. Isn't that fun?
1: Hey, hey. Hey, always a strong beard showing.
0: Our final nominee, a newcomer to the category, and a man who, though he won't win, I'm sure is happy to be there for nominee for Best Beard, Benjamin Tolberg.
1: Oh yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Friend of the bridge, frequently appear on the bridge live. It seems a bit of a formality, but I will crack open the price waterhouse envelope and read the winner for the 2020 Daddy of Best Beard, which is Ben Tolberg.
1: Oh my oh, goodness! Wow! What a shocker! I'm gonna get it's on the like phone
0: a... with the Secretary of State <laughs> of the Thatties because I, I read some some Twitter posts about how <laughs> the Russians are involved in this. We're just gonna get to the bottom of it. So what's gonna happen? Yeah,
1: hey, uh, you know, sometimes you have to accept the 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 outcome. Nope, that's what that is. <laughs> is, is anybody gonna record that phone call, Matt?
2: <laughs>
0: I
1: hope so. Does, are you pretty I sure
3: you
2: won? Pretty sure that won one by Matt several one hundred, one hundred thousand baddies.
3: Matt, votes. one, Matt, one, Matt, one, Matt,
0: one. Jed, <laughs> how would you like a cabinet post? <laughs>
2: <laughs> would that I?
0: was the kind of clear thinking that I reward. Our next nominee for this shambles of an award show, the 2020 baddies. Excellent in online worship services in the middle of a global health crisis. Mm. Our nominees, Lee Younger for the Christ Community Church broadcast. Very That's well deserved. Wow. Second nominee, Jed and Matt for The Bridge Live. It has come out every week. Our third and final nominee for excellence in online worship services in the middle of a global health crisis, your church's online worship service. And the winner is anyone who actually managed to get a service out the door during all this.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's about right.
0: Our next nominee and a new nominee this year, but probably not the last, the 2020 Pioneer of Outer Space Podcasting Excellence. Mm. Well, the winner is the Say That Podcast, we assume.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, do you see anybody else uh, trying to go into space with their podcast? I don't think so.
2: Absolutely not. No, that's why Ira calls his show This American Life, not This Outer Spacey Life. That's right. That's right. Our
0: next award, the 2020 Most Disturbing Techno-Evangelical Innovation of the Year which could be none other than the Joel Osteen Inspiration Cube. Mm. A reminder, that is not a funny name we made up for it. The actual title is Inspiration Cube.
1: It's a cube of inspiration.
0: Our next next category and award is the Best Fundamentalist Criticism of 2020, Mm. which is... Uh, actually, all a dual winner because it's also the best fundamentalist criticism of 1991, and that's denouncing our friend <laughs> Glenn Kaiser for being too rock. Yes. Yes. Wow. yes. Glenn Kaiser, a nice man who's contributed to our ministry, recorded many wonderful songs for us, some in Jed's very basement, which maybe it lets some demonic residue. We don't know. Well, yeah, you mm. know. Our penultimate category, 2020 Best Say That Podcast Superfan. And the winner is You. We mean you specifically. Only you, the one hearing this right now. You win.
1: You won it. Not (laughs) those other people. Just you. That's
0: right. Our final category for the 2020 Thatties is a dual category. The 2020 award for best box and best recurring segue. (laughs) <laughs> and the winner is the bridge box and the bridge box plug. That's right for every yeah! Man.
2: Oh, am so a month. pumped. I didn't see that coming. You can sign up wow. at
0: missionusa.com slash bridgebox and be part of an award-winning service. It's an award mm. we made up, but it's an award nonetheless.
1: So you, it's sort of like how Oprah's somehow and I, nobody knows how, but she manages to make the cover of that O magazine <laughs> every month. <laughs> it's but, impressive. Whoa. To Solid Street. How does she do it?
0: MissionUSA.com slash You can, of course, also check out right. the award-sharing Bridge Live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at Facebook.com slash TheBridgeChicago. If you can't catch it live, you can find every episode archived at the Videos tab on that self-same Facebook page. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us, or you can scroll down into your episode descriptions and click the links you find there. Our first question comes in and says... I'm afraid of being alone. I know I should face this fear and give it to God, but it's really hard. I've been lonely, and I don't want to go there again. How do I face this fear? And Jed, a great question and always a fraught one, hopefully a little less after all having to spend some time doing the shelter-in-place thing in 2020, but where would we start off?
3: Well, it's a great question. We're, We're glad that you're looking at it. We're really proud of you for your honesty about this. The question, I have some questions back for you that I I think will help as you navigate this. So, you know, when you're hungry, when you're really, really hungry, you don't really stop to think what kind of food you're in the mood for. You just want whatever is nearest. You know, um, you get you get hungry enough. and It's just I want the closest food that I can have right now which makes total sense. And when we get really lonely, we can kind of do the exact same thing where we don't stop to think about what kind of friends or kind of relationships, what kind of people we're looking for. It's just, I want to not be alone. And I want that right now, whatever the fastest, most immediate path to not by myself, that's the thing that I want. And no judgment on that. You come by that. uh, We all in our lives have had that moment and we come by it honestly, but The thing where you're super, super hungry, and so you're now eating just straight saltines because that was the closest thing in the pantry, no one thinks of that as a particularly satisfying meal. And similarly, um, making relationships based on this was the person in nearest proximity to me, it's not generally how we find the deepest, most satisfying relationships in our lives. Again, no judgment. Come by it totally honestly, but we probably want to start by acknowledging that reality. So then the question that goes with it is what kind of people would you like to spend your time with? What kind of people would you like to have relationships with? Because the loneliness is informing you that you, you probably need more relational interaction, but it's actually not giving you much insight into the kind of people that should help to fill that void. And so I really want to encourage you to think about that. And if you're not sure how to conceive of it, that's okay. Here's a related question. What kind of people do you want to influence you? What kind of people Mm. do you want to become like? Because the Bible is super clear, as is human psychology, that you're going to become like the people you spend time around. So if you're not sure of the kind of people you want to spend time around, you probably do have an idea of the kind of person you do or don't want to become. And again, both the Bible and human psychology tell us reliably, you will become like the people that you spend your time around. So we want to choose that intentionally. We want to choose that carefully. With that in mind, then the next question for you is, are you seeking those people out? If you have a sense of the kind of people that you'd like to build relationships with and, and on a related note, the kind of person you would like to become, are you seeking those people out? Do you know where those people are? Do you know where they spend their time? Do you know how to find them? Do you know how to begin to build relationships with them? Are you seeking those people out? And if you're not, why not? And I want to look, before I I kick it to these other bros, I want to look at the number one reason why people don't do that. The number one reason why people don't intentionally spend time with and build relationships with people that. They uh, admire and want to be around and want to become like. Here's the number one reason. Do you think those people would accept you? Okay. Do you think Mm, that you would fit in with those people? Do you think you could pull off being around those people? These are all variations of the same thing. Do you think that those people would accept you? Because if you don't, then that's probably why you're not pursuing that path. And that's the thing that I really want to encourage you to look at. The truth is that when you try new things and you try new situations and you try new environments, sooner or later, you are probably going to run into a jerk. There is a fear in your head that says someone's going to give you a a weird look and make some sort of uncool comment about how you, you tied your tie wrong, and that would just kill you. And the thing to know is, sooner or later, someone is going to give you a weird look and say something uncool, and it won't make any difference at all. It absolutely will not matter. If you decide to try and go build healthy relationships with healthy people, what you're going to find the huge, vast majority of the time is they're really glad that you're there. Mm. And they're really glad that you came. And they're really glad to spend time with you. That fear that they wouldn't accept you and that fear that you wouldn't fit in and you wouldn't be able to pull it off, mostly falls in the realm of we're afraid of it because we actually haven't dipped our toe into it. Um, most of us have not done a lot in life of identifying a thing that we – a community that we have not been a part of but that would be good for us and just saying I'm going to figure out how to go be a part of that community. So the, the fear is largely the fear of the unknown. Here's what I want you to know. You can pull it off. You can do it. You can identify people that you want to spend time with and become like and go spend time with them and have it work and have them be glad that you're there and you're glad that you're there. Yeah, there may be one guy who says something jerky. We're going to not worry about that. In the main, you will find that it works, and you will definitely reap the benefits not only of being less lonely but of growing into the kind of person that you want to be and that God wants you to be.
0: That is a fantastic place to start that off. That's all great stuff from Jed there. And Glenn, I really like what he's, he's saying there about what, not having done a lot of this stuff before, because one of the things that may fall into that category is I think a lot of people who have never had to do that work of intentionally having some community, having some some friendship as is as talking about there is that they don't think about what that's for and just try to scratch that right. loneliness itch, which can lead to some real problems. Right.
1: Absolutely. Right. You, you know, you're, yeah if, if your whole thing is let me you know just be around people without you know, having a distinguishing element to that you're you're going to have a lot of problems i think people are also very intimidated uh living alone because they there's a lot of stuff they don't know how to do you know just I, it just seems overwhelming and also you know just what if this or that came up and i wouldn't know how to handle it and so the the problem, I think, that comes behind that is in order to learn to live on your own and in order to learn how to do something new of any kind, uh, you need help. You need people in your life, like Jeddah is describing, who can be there to help you. But I think there's a tendency to say, I don't want help. I just want somebody to do it for me and that's where we get into a lot of problems because then we're in an uneven balance here in this relationship. If I feel like I need this person and I can't handle life without their, you know, assistance in in things, this isn't a love bond. This is, you know, I I can't do for myself and I I am dependent on this other person in that sort of way. That's not a healthier good good way to go about things. Even in a, a marriage, for example, where you you know naturally gravitate towards she does this stuff, I do that stuff, still you want to be able to at least poorly do what that other person can do well so that you're able to be there for your spouse. If, God forbid, something happens to them, they get sick or something like that, and you need to take care of things, you need to at least be able to, to struggle through that. So regardless of alone or not, this idea of becoming empowered is really, really, really important. And I think it's a huge part of, of figuring out how to live our, our spiritual walk, as we'll we'll find out here. But the thing about being empowered uh, and, and choosing that instead of fear is to recognize that fear vanishes in the face of forward motion. When you're moving mm. forward, fear can't catch up with you. You know, it's it's fear fear's waiting for you to hesitate and and hang back and feel overwhelmed that's when it comes on you 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 can outrun fear and and pretty easily if you just stay in forward motion. that sounds easy and on some level it is it's just a decision to to move forward but the in my mind, the critical thing is to circle back to this idea of getting wisdom, getting insight, getting Because you know if you just say. I you know I'm I'm afraid of snakes, so I'm going to just go out into nature and find a snake and <laughs> try and be friends with it. You know, and it bites you in the face and kills you. That's bad. That's a, there's no wisdom to that. There's there's a lot of forward motion on attacking your fears, but it's it, there's not a wisdom behind that. So this idea of gaining wisdom again through you know wise counsel and good fellowship and and good mentors, good pastors. Uh, but using that to empower you to do it yourself. And this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to give you wisdom and give you strength so that you can handle these things. We have to try to grow out of a mentality of why don't you just do it for me? I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm overwhelmed and there's a pandemic and I've, I feel like I've just had enough, all of that. It, we're better off when we get that empowering and we feel stronger and we feel like we can handle anything that comes our way.
0: That is all great stuff as well. And Lee, where do we close this out?
1: I I love what what these guys have said on
2: this, and and I completely agree with Jed that we're we're proud of you for for writing it in and talking about it. I think that there is. Um, I heard Jed use the word intentional early in uh, in his response, and and I think that's a really really helpful word when we think about how to uh, to face this fear, because I think. If we're unclear about one piece of it, it would be really easy to get buried in some really untrue thoughts. One of the things that can happen when you are dealing with this kind of emotional situation is that um, you can pretty easily get convinced uh, some untrue things about yourself. In other words, I'm lonely, therefore, because I don't have anybody in my life right now, what that means is it means nobody wants to be with me. It means I'm not worth hanging out with. It means I, you know, other people have people in their life. So they are better than I am. And it also means I will always be this way. Well, none of those things has anything to do with the reality. The reality is you feel lonely right now. But if we're not extremely intentional about some things then the situation floods its banks into all kinds of other things about our identity. And I think a huge part in facing this and fighting through the fear of this is is saying, I have got to control the narrative of my identity. I can't let my identity get, uh, get falsified or smudged out in the middle of this situation. The situation's hard. We don't like the way the situation feels. It sucks to feel lonely. It sucks to be alone. All of that stuff, it it feels a certain way, but it does not mean that I'm a person that people don't want to be with. It does not mean that it will always be this way. It feels like it'll always be this way right up until the moment that you get somebody in your life, and then you're like, oh, well, now I've shed that whole thing, and so I don't need it anymore. Um, we uh, you've got to get good at controlling the narrative of who am I? I am a child of God. I am precious in the sight of God. Jesus gave his life for me. I'm a person that's worthy of love. I'm a person that, that people would love to get to know and to be around. And exactly as these other brothers are saying, I need to do the work to find the group that I want to be around and be with and be like and all of that kind of stuff. But a huge piece of that is, starting at the place of saying i am not going to let myself get convinced in by the lie that my the current situation of loneliness means that i'm a person that people don't want to be with that's just not true you are a person that people want to be with that people will find cool and amazing and hang out with you are valuable you bring awesome things to the table what we've got to do is stay centered on the reality of your identity so that your situation doesn't flood its banks into lying to you about who you are. Um, That's a huge part of facing this, and it's a huge part of giving you the forward motion that Glenn's talking about. And that wisdom piece that he's talking about is all wrapped up in this, all wrapped up in this idea of, uh, of controlling the narrative of what this means. It's so important that we not let a difficult situation interpret things for us that are not in question. It is not in question that you are an amazing person created in God's image who brings a lot of cool things to the table. It is not in question that your situation, even though it feels like it's forever, will not always be this way. We've got to control that narrative so that we do not get overwhelmed emotionally by the things in the situation. There's some stuff about the situation that suck right now. Let's stay centered on who you really are. I'm a person that's valuable. I'm a person that's worth hanging out with. I'm a person that's going to bring a lot to a community, and I'm looking for it, I'm hunting it down, I'm praying about it, I'm going after it in a way that in the middle of a... This is the hardest year ever to to create community and find somebody to be with and all that kind of stuff, so I'm going to celebrate every little victory, but I can't lose sight of who I am, and I'm not going to believe any lies about that.
0: That is all wonderful stuff from all of these guys. We're going to move on to our next question here. It comes in and says... How do I set healthy, realistic goals for the new year when everything is so uncertain? And a very, a very good question, a very good New Year's question. And Glenn, where do we start off with this one?
1: Well, I, you know, believe me, I, I, can, I can relate. Uh, as I mentioned in a recent podcast, you know, uh, uncertainty and I are, are not friends, uh, certainly. Uh, and I, I, I dislike dealing with it as much as anybody. But the reality is, you know, if you're looking at the new year and saying, "How do I set goals given the uncertainty?" That's a part where I tell you every year is filled with uncertainty. Mm. All all of life is filled with uncertainty. That's uh, the, again, I I don't like that uh, any more than than you do. Certainly, but the reality is, none of us knows what's around the next corner. Nobody knows what we're dealing with. But I I think the I'm not and I'm not trying to bum you out with that, but I am starting to to think now, if your mentality is I am trying to achieve goals, but what if circumstances happen that are unpredictable and uncertain, and then that's going to keep me from meeting those goals? Well, okay, so let's think of it in this way. Let's say your goal in in this year was to have more peace, okay? And let's imagine the circumstances break to the positive, like it's a very calm year and there's no any kind of whatever things just really mellow out at some point for you in your life. You say, my goal for 2021 was to have more peace, but then everything got really good and calm. Here's my question. Will you actually go and get more peace? Because do you really need it? Things are pretty calm right now. Everything's kind of chill. That's kind of odd, isn't it? We we think that uh, if if everything's calm, we'd we'd have more peace. But I don't think you go and get it because you don't need it because you're not using it because everything's already pretty calm. The only time that you or I look at getting more peace is when we're utterly out of it and we need it desperately. So if that's the case, then. Uh, And understand, I'm not trying to judge that at all. In fact, I'm trying to say, isn't that the whole point here? If you are trying to overcome an obstacle, uh, what we're finding here is that's the, the ideal way to grow. That's the ideal way to meet your goals and objectives is to have a thing that, you know, triggers something within you to grow. In order to overcome it, in fact, I think all of your goals should be about overcoming obstacles. You say, well, "I, I want to have goals, but what if there's an obstacle?" <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. I think all every goal I have is about overcoming obstacles. That's hundred percent of what what my goals are. I I know I'm going to face certain obstacles in the coming year. Uh, you know, I i I can predict that based on I'm dealing with certain obstacles right now today on the first day of the year. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty certain lock there. Uh, but I think if you say, I want to set goals based on what I'm fairly sure I can work around, you know, I, I I'm going to achieve this goal, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably be able to work around unpredictable obstacles. So it's a, it's a safe goal to set. Uh, I think what we're trying to identify here is you aren't, you aren't going to meet any goals if you're working around obstacles. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to grow. You're not going to be um, moving up in your spiritual walk. That's going to happen when you say, I know in this next year I'm going to face certain obstacles almost for sure. I know what the devil is going to try and do, uh, what he's going to try and discourage. If I'm if I'm trying to uh, get this new job and God wants me to have the job, the devil will make it look like I'm definitely not going to get the job right up until the moment I get the job. Uh, I I can predict that. I can I can write that down. If I'm wrong about it, I'm I'm money ahead. But I'm going to say, okay, my goal is not to get the job. My goal is to not listen to the devil talk to me about the job. So. If you uh, set your goals out in that way, whatever the devil throws at you only makes you stronger and only allows you to meet those goals in a better way because, uh, you know, having that to fight against, having that thing that you need to overcome empowers you and strengthens you and enables you to handle uh, everything that comes your way that God has for you in this year.
0: That's an excellent place to start that off. And Lee, I'd love for you to, to pick us up there because I, I think a lot of what Glenn's getting into there that's so smart is really considering and thinking through what we think of as a goal and whether or not we're setting ourselves up for some success or failure in that. Because I think as he points out very smartly, we, if we set a really big, big goal, that's going to be dependent on things going smoothly or things lining up. Is there a healthier way to look at goals that isn't so all or nothing?
2: Absolutely. I, I, I loved kind of the philosophical angle on, uh, on where Glenn was taking this. And I think that sometimes on, on topics like this terminology can help. Um, what a lot of people said, what a lot of people mean when they say the word goal is, is like hopes or dreams. You know, I hope that I have a year where I feel more secure. That, that would be a terrible goal I mean, because like Glenn's saying, you have absolutely no control over what is going to happen in any way. You might feel excessively, you might have like no security whatsoever in, in the coming year or, or whatever. We want to make a distinction between kind of wishes and hopes or dreams and goals. Goals should be things that you actually can do. And my, my advice on a, on a question like this is to make it immensely practical and say, why don't you start really small? There's a, there's a verse in the scriptures that says, uh, you know, don't despise small beginnings. Um, that I could look at my life and, and my kind of daily situation and make myself a goal that is a small thing that's measurable and then something that I have the facility to celebrate when I pull it off. So just as an example, this year, I'm going to I'm going to take a 30 minute walk every single day. Um and you're like Glenn said even on something like that you don't have total control. You might have you might have days where you're ill, you might have days that are just it's like a monsoon type of rain. What was it you guys had one year thunder snow or something? The thunder
3: yeah. snow?
2: God forsaken like that when that an inhospitable, you know, uh tundra that you guys live in. But but you know like But even these kinds of challenges, like Glenn's saying, there are raincoats, there are, you know, there are, there are indoor walking tracks. Like there are ways to meet a goal like that. That's something that's measurable. It's something that's fairly in your control and, you know, and, or, you know, I'm going to make some sort of outreach to someone in my, that I'm trying to, or am in community with every single day. Maybe that's as simple as a text message or a phone call or a a little Marco Polo message that you record. Maybe it's a handwritten letter or an email or something like that. Some small practical thing that you can pull off, that you can measure, I did it, and that you can celebrate as I did it in a, in a very uncertain world, in a very uncertain year with a lot of challenges, I am keeping my goal. Um, to start small enough where you have something measurable that you can celebrate is a really, really wise way to, to start to get a handle on, on, on figuring out the difference between wishes, hopes, dreams, and actual goals. What is something that I can measurably control and celebrate and take care of? Of course, exactly as Glenn's saying, even if, even if you make a tiny, tiny, tiny goal, I promise you, you will meet challenges. The really, really cool thing about that is When you've set something like that, small, practical, measurable, celebratable, you will find some creativity emerging as you have days where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off today. And then you find some way to do it. You find a way to get the 30-minute walk-in in in the thundersnow, not out in the thundersnow, but like in your own home. You put on a podcast, this one maybe, leave a review, and then you just get that thing done in the house or whatever it is. So I think that when we, when we make it something where we start small enough, something measurable, something that, that we're going to face challenges, but we can find a creative way to get it done, and then we learn how to celebrate it. And I think that's a huge key, that we, get some, um, we decide some way that we're going to pat ourselves on the back, that we're going to celebrate this thing, so that it doesn't slip by as just like a, yeah, good, I did it, but like a real practical, like actual, like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm making the changes that I want to one small thing at a time.
0: That's another fantastic answer there. And Jed, um, I'd love to for you maybe dig more of that practicality for us because I think one of the things both Glenn and Lee are pointing to here is that it's not a great it's not very healthy to look at 2021 as this has to be a year without goals because who could know, you know, what's going to happen. So I just won't even try but we also don't want to set ourselves up for a failure. So can you tell us a little bit more about where that sweet spot might be?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I agree with everything you've already heard. And, you know, I think as these fellows are already suggesting, the fact that you are thinking actively about this is putting you ahead of the curve. So they are absolutely right. We want to focus on things that we can control. And we want to do that recognizing that, the small scale things that we work on today will work towards the big picture that we want to see happen. So mm-hmm. let me give an example of what I mean. Suppose you just want to take a big trip to Spain. You just always wanted to go there. You always want to see it and experience it. Man, there's no telling if that's going to be possible in 2021. I hope it is. Like I really, really hope it is. But that's, that's not a guarantee. And it's definitely one where you don't have any control over that. And I don't have any control over that. That's, that's a very, very big picture thing. But what you can do is you can spend whatever Matt, 10 minutes a day on Duolingo or whatever your preferred app is, learning some Spanish. You can do that. You have almost complete control over that. And critically, the work that you put in towards that little goal is going to make that big picture goal more achievable whenever the stuff that's outside of your control calms down which it will do eventually, the preparation that you make today prepares you for the thing that you really, really want to see down the road. And if you can dig it, that, that's what investment is. Uh, that's what, um, you know, so many metaphors in the Bible are about farming. And, and you know, farming is all about work today to prep for a harvest down the road i'm planning today i'm watering today i'm you know taking care of weeds today i'm doing all this work so that down the road this really cool thing can come to life and that in many ways is the thing that's before all of us in 2021 is there's a lot of big things we'd like to see come to life and and maybe they'll happen this year maybe they won't but the little stuff that helps to set the stage we can definitely definitely do the one thing that I would want to encourage you to look at is whatever pace you set, why are you setting that pace? So I want to study Spanish. I want to do it five minutes a day or five hours a day or somewhere in between. I want to encourage you to look at the why of the pacing, because I think that's one of the things that does get people in, into trouble in a practical way is on the one hand, we have an extreme where, like, yeah, that's super hardcore and people will be really impressed that I spent five hours a day studying Spanish. I will almost certainly not be able to pull that off, but they'll be really impressed during the one day that I managed it. So that's, <laughs> you know, I got that going for me. On the opposite extreme, we have, well, it's my goal to spend two minutes a day studying Spanish, and I'm doing that because... I'm pretty sure there's no possible way I could weasel my, my way out of that amount. So I'll, I'll, I'll set that goal. Now that, that may be not giving yourself enough credit. Um, you, you know, we, we can probably stretch a little bit more than that. So let's look at the why of, of your pacing. So there's the why as it pertains to um, how you feel about the goal. And there's also the why of how fast you need or want to get to a milestone. Um, I, I heard recently that it takes about 600 hours of work to become conversational in most languages. So you could do that 600 hours over a few months. You could do it over a few years. It all depends on your goal. And one of those is not necessarily better or worse than the other, right? We, we live in a culture that has a way of really deifying whatever we think is hardcore, whatever the hardcore way to do it. That's, that's what you, what you got to do, but that's nonsense. It's not tethered to reality, figuring out what your goals are and then setting a pace that's based on that is really, really critical. So again, if we can look at our pacing, figure out what goals are we trying to achieve? And then as Lee is very wisely saying, what's realistic, what can we actually live with? We'll be able to set some of those smaller scale goals that are good, that are healthy, that are achievable, that again, lay the groundwork for the big picture things that we want to see happen whenever that becomes a possibility that we can move forward on.
0: I love that. I think it's a great point. It really ties in with what these guys are saying. And I will add to that, that whether it's something like learning a language or or going for a walk or picking up a hobby, it's great to have longer term goals, but it's also very good, a very good mentality to start out with of this thing is worth doing on its own. Yeah. It's great to, you know, want to get up and go for run because you, you know, you want to do a half marathon at the end of the year. Great goal. Great thing to, you know, train for. But if you really hate every second of the running, that half marathon is not going to make like not going to undo that. It is best to have the best scenario we can land on is things that are worth doing and enjoyable doing on their own. And maybe they build towards a bigger goal because that only enhances that. But. That is, a very, that is often a good way to organize your thoughts about things and very helpful as well for the things we're talking about with the uncertainty going forward. We're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in and says, in Hebrews 12, it says to endure hardship as discipline. Does that mean God makes bad stuff happen to us to discipline us? And a, a very cool question. And Lee, where would we start off with this?
2: Well, dear listener, that was a cool, very cool question. Matt's right. You are in luck because one episode uh, when Glenn was talking about the Bible Nerdatorium, he held up his key mm. and I managed on the FaceTime call to snap a screenshot. Oh, and wow. then I've taken that image and gotten the guys in the, in the computer lab to, to really zoom in and create a high res image of the key. We got a, a, a composite key made. I have managed to get into. Did you the Bible yell at hands
0: people a lot?
2: Yeah. Zoom in. Get that noise out of there. Yeah, we got Enhance. We got the key made, and and I was able to sneak into the Bible Nerdatorium mm. without Glenn's knowledge. Uh, some really cool stuff here in in the in in some of the Greek words in this these verse in Hebrews, and as a result, people have massively misrepresented a lot of the stuff that's happening here. I would say one of the very key um things that's happening is just the verb endure. The 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 hmm. verse where all this kind of thing kicks off is uh I I believe it's in um verse seven um where it says endure hardship is discipline. The one that you quote, that word endure, um it's a it's a It's a Greek compound word. They take two words and smash them together. And the compound word is, they they take the word under and the word bear up, to bear up under something. Um, And the cool thing about that verb, to me, in my mind, is the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, um, bear up under the things that you have to deal with as, and then we have this word that we've translated discipline. This is a word that's also translated in another one of Paul's letters as training. And that's a really, really important thing. Um to me, when I look at this, when I particular look at that word to bear up under, um, that's putting the onus on me as the reader. And then I look at this this word that we've translated discipline as a, a word that means training in another in other places. And the way I'm looking at that is, you know. I mean, I look at people who don't know the Lord and people who do know the Lord having a really tough time, both of them. I mean, this is a sucky world, and especially emerging out of 2020, um, to quote Jed Brewer, there's been a lot of suckitude, and Indeed. we 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 have all felt it, people who know Jesus and people who do not know Jesus. This is a broken world. We've emerged out of an incredibly sucky year. And it seems to me that the the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, everybody's having a hard time. For people that are God's kids, you have the unique opportunity to bear up under it and see it as a training ground. This is a chance to get strong. This is a chance to meet some challenges. Um, This is a chance to do something hard and know that I'm going to get something out of it. I don't know that my attitude in a difficult time increases or decreases the amount of hard things that I have to deal with. But I definitely know that people who meet challenges with a different attitude come out with different skills and different levels of strength. That is absolutely 100% true. I think the place where this this paragraph gets confused in people's minds is they read it and they say, "Wait, so uh, because I'm God's kid, he like, what he does is he makes bad things happen to me. Like, like I'm in trouble and it's like getting a spanking. That's what it is. Like because God just likes getting people in trouble and being mad at them. And what I would say is, no, this is a sucky world for everybody. And I, as one of God's kids, get to look at this as an opportunity to bear up under a difficult thing and see it as a training ground. This is a challenge that I have an opportunity to meet. This is a challenge that everybody's having a hard year. Everybody's having a hard time. People who know Jesus, people who don't know Jesus. As one of God's kids, I get to look at this and endure it as a chance to train, to get stronger, to meet challenges, to find some create, creative ways to come out of a hard year with some new strengths, with some new um, agility, with, with some new with some new spiritual skills. Um. So there's a lot of keys in, in some of these words that can help us see that this is not about you being in trouble because you're bad. Like God saying, you're bad, so here's a bad time um, because you deserve it. That doesn't, track with any th- that doesn't track with anything we know about the grace of Jesus who has come down to save us from our sins and completely erase them out of our record and, and put us on the fitting of his mercy and his grace. Um, no, this is a sucky world, man. And everybody's got tough stuff that they got to face. And we have an opportunity to see this as a training ground, a chance to meet challenges and to get stronger and to bear up under it.
0: That's all fantastic stuff and a great place to start this off. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up there and maybe dig a little bit more into this idea that there is to endure hardship discipline, and disciplining his children means God making awful, awful stuff happen to you versus more what Lee's giving us here of everybody encounters bad things. And there is a way we're supposed to look at that, which is what God's giving us.
3: That's exactly right. Uh, f- let's start here, just concur with everything that Lee was saying. God loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. His heart is towards you. Um, plenty of people have grown up in churches where it's, God loves you, but, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that has nothing <laughs> to do with love. No. God loves you. The end, 100%. That is it. That is God's opinion of you and towards you. As Lee is saying, on planet Earth, you will have troubles. You will face hard things. Uh, And Jesus promised that, by the way. Uh, In this world, you will have troubles. Not may, definitely will, for sure will. One of the things that Christianity uh, has a huge focus on that's really amazing is the idea of redemptive suffering and redemptive difficulty. And I think it is worth noting that um, nobody ever really gets stronger at much of anything unless they have to. Um At least in my experience and watching a lot of people in their own lives, growth is uncomfortable and significant growth is really uncomfortable. And almost nobody does that for no reason. There, there tends to be a forcing mechanism in their life. There tends to be something going on where they have a choice of either I find a way to get stronger or... I have to give up on this thing I'm trying to do, or um something you know that i I don't want to see happen happens, but for most of us there there is an external pressure that is needed in order to get stronger at something uh, that that it's not true a hundred percent of the time, but it's true far more often than it's not but here's the thing that I think that we lose sight of really, really easily, and it's how it's one of the ways we can marry the fact that God super duper loves you to the fact that God is going to allow you to go through hard times is strength opens doors to amazing things right on. If you want to have like amazing, amazing, amazing blessings in your life, I want that for you. God wants that for you. I hope you want that for you. Dude, you actually have to be strong enough to take a hold of those blessings. Um, You've heard us say on this podcast before that a blessing that you are not prepared to receive is not a blessing. That's actually a curse. For many of us, strength is the thing that allows us in a healthy way to take a hold of a blessing. And strength is the thing that we are given an opportunity to develop in the midst of challenges. I want to give you a really, really small example, um, but it's something to have you think about. It is physically painful to learn to play the guitar. Um, it's really, really unpleasant. You, The idea is completely absurd, which is you're going to take one of your hands and mash down on metal wires and keep doing that until your fingers are so uncomfortable that they callous over and you can't really feel it anymore. I mean, that sounds like a medieval torture, dude. That That sounds like an absolutely terrible idea. But as a person who now has calluses on every finger on both hands, here's what I can tell you. Guitar is awesome. It's great. Playing guitar is super fun and writing songs is super fun and playing concerts and leading worship. It is so cool. It's so much fun. But you will not be able to do that if you don't develop calluses on your fingertips. All you'll have is just pain and frustration. So, we have this thing where there's this huge blessing of getting to play guitar and getting to turn it up loud and getting the camaraderie of being in a band and getting to to have gigs i've been gigging have you fellows been gigging we
1: have <laughs> I've been gigging
3: we have all this good stuff, but we do have to develop some strength in order to take a hold of those opportunities and those blessings let's take it back and review God loves you and he wants to bring good things into your life. He also knows that you live in a fallen world where you 're going to face some challenges. He wants to use those challenges to help you get stronger so that you can take a hold of the blessings and the good things that he has for you. God loves you. His heart is towards you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise and don't let anybody give you provisos or limitations or not reallys. He loves you and his heart is towards you. Even in the midst of challenges, he loves you and his heart is towards you. Amen.
0: Absolutely right. And Glenn, where do we close out this very good question?
1: Well, these guys have given you some really great answers, and and they are really on track. And I, I really want to echo what they're saying in terms of, if you're going through hard times and you're reading Hebrews 12 that says endure hardship as discipline, and you're you're thinking hardship is a word that is not welcome to me, and discipline is a word that's not welcome to me, so it's like you're trying to fix a bad thing by putting another bad thing on it uh th- That's what we wanna a hundred percent rescue you from in this question uh that uh first and foremost, as these fellows have said uh that uh, the word discipline has a negative con- connotation in English. We use that it coequally with uh, the idea of punishment. Those, those right. two words are often you know just interchangeable in English. Uh, but if I say uh, endure hardship as discipleship mm. or disciple-making, that would sound entirely different to you, but it's the same word. Discipline and discipleship come from the same place. It's the same same root word. Uh, So, I don't know, I think there's a a tendency, and I think this is sort of the second point I want to make behind this, there's a tendency for us to sometimes gravitate towards the darkest possible interpretation, Yep. even though there's just not any kind of basis in fact for it. And that dark interpretation, as these fellows are kind of hinting at, wouldn't fit with the rest of Scripture anyway, so we'd want to be throwing it out already based on that. But then there's this other idea that really I th- I think we, we need to interrogate. Uh, I, I give you an example from my life and make it a little more concrete. Um when I started my first uh uh job when I started in full time ministry, things were very difficult for me. There was a lot of financial struggles going on and the organization was having struggles and there was it was just a lot of mess. And um you know, the, my boss at the time said, well, this is a good thing because it's, um, it is weeding out people who are not committed. Mm. And I said, well, here's what you need to know is I was committed fully before this went wrong. I am still committed, but I was in the first place, too. So for me, this is just punishment. This is just awful. There's you know the it wasn't uh, um producing commitment and and follow through in me. I already had that, so uh do you want to try again because this ain't working for me you know this this just sucks. Can I get a little sympathy? Can we start there uh because uh you don't want to take someone who's already committed and run them off because you're talking to them about all this gibberish of you know it's producing all these amazing things in me, but the 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 part that I was struggling to understand then, and I think you may be struggling to understand now, is this idea that I had to go through hard times that produces all this strength in me for when things are good. Like, what would I need to be prepared for good times by going through bad times. If it's good times, I I'm I'm prepared for good times now. Let's just have good times. I don't I don't what special strength do I need to handle good times? That's to me the central question in this. And it turns out it's a profound question because I think you need a ton of preparation for yeah. good times. Yeah. Good times are dangerous as snot, dude. Yep. I mean, I have seen a lot of people completely ruin their lives on good times. You know, we've seen people completely um, lose their sense of self and their calling and all of that because they they, they found themselves in a time of blessing, as Jeb was pointing out, that they weren't prepared for it. And that became a curse to them. The truth is you're going through tough times. The number one thing we want to give you is sympathy and understanding. Mm. Uh, The second thing we want to give you is hope that you are stronger than you know, you are becoming stronger through this, and that is a good thing because when you get the blessings, you will be prepared to handle those in a way that you actually need to be to take full maximum benefit of that and to really uh, enter into a time where God is blessing you, but you're still focused and disciplined in that, where you don't lose your head in that, and that is actually super important.
0: Absolutely right. That is all fantastic stuff from these guys. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, we're going to have the song this week. This feels like a very appropriate first of the year song. This is a song Jed wrote. We're going to play you the Lee version of it it's called God Don't Let Me Quit. Great tune that hey. a lot of talented folks had a hand Ooh. in. Tear out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: The 2020 Technical Thatty Award for Excellence in Outro Writing goes to me. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. I have so many people to thank. I can already hear them playing me off. I just want to thank my high school outro language arts teacher, <laughs> my, my agent, and all the little people that helped me along the way.
0: That's us. <laughs> well, God, don't
4: let me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength. Unless you give me it God, don't let me go Selling out on who I am When you have bought me for your own God, don't let me think That I'm not welcome where you are When you're waiting at my Sorry for myself when you've thrown me a banquet. But God don't let me alone for the life that I once lived when that life is dead and gone, and God don't let me hope in a better circumstance, but I can make to fix it when you alone can mend and heal. God, don't let me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength unless you I don't have the strength unless you give me it.